thing that made me realize that I should go build businesses. Yeah. Because when I started working with adults on the campaign where we were going after specific numbers, just a whole new side of my professional life uh, just exploded and I absolutely was on fire with it. And I wanted to continue doing that after the campaign, but I didn't have any interest in going into politics. Mm. But I wanted to build things. And I wanted to compete. And building businesses seemed like the best. Hey guys, welcome to Startup Hand-Me-Downs, the podcast that passes insights from founders and thought leaders down to the next generation. I'm your host, Philip Kusumu, and thank you so much for giving me the next 30 minutes of your time. I promise it'll be worth it. So guys, I'm continuing my New York edition of the show because... Well, I am still in New York. Uh, so today I interviewed serial entrepreneur Brian Schechter, who's the co-founder and CEO of the hottest startup that's about to launch, Selfmade. They've raised $11 million whilst in private beta, and they're providing a platform that helps people grow their personal brand on social media via their iOS app. Before founding Selfmade, Brian co-founded and co-CEO'd a dating site called How About We?, which he then went on to sell for millions of dollars. He's not like most founders I've come across before because he actually used to be a high school teacher before he knew he was an entrepreneur, which pretty much explains his extremely calm demeanor when you meet him. This was such a brilliant episode, lots of knowledge being dropped by Brian that I for one have already started to implement in my life after doing this show. But yeah, it's that time. Let's get into it, guys. So Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for being here. I'm excited to chat. Yeah. So when you're at an event, how do you introduce yourself to people? Hello, my name is Brian Schechter. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Selfmade. Selfmade is a New York startup, venture-backed, and we're helping people build their brand on social media. Nice. Nice and concise. We're going to get on to Selfmade shortly, but um, before we delve into Selfmade, Talk to me about early career. So, are you from New York originally? No, I grew up outside of Boston. Right. I, I, uh, I actually, after college, I spent a year living in India mm. and then came, moved back to Boston where I began a career as a teacher. I uh, got a master's in education and then moved to Washington, D.C. where I continued teaching. Mm. So, the first part of my career was really focused on education prior to then diving into startups. Right. And... I guess, first of all, what were you teaching? <laughs> I, taught, I taught ethics and civics in wow. Washington, D.C. Wow. To, uh, to juniors and seniors. I loved it. I loved the subject matter. I loved the relationships with the students. It was extremely engaging work. And I don't ever miss it because it's also very grueling and it wasn't having the scale or scope of impact that I was really looking to have. Mm. So interesting. I think you might be the first teacher I've ever spoken to. <laughs> well, not in my life, but as an entrepreneur. I mean, I speak to a lot of founders all the time, and they usually come from like you know, Boston's consulting group or you know, 
this place or that place or investment banking, you know, sure. you know there were teachers before. I think that teaching is actually an incredible training ground for entrepreneurship, mm. the, especially for being a founder, because as a classroom teacher, you're, you have the opportunity to lead a group to accomplish things that that group doesn't know how to do when they first start. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it requires a lot of flexibility, a lot of give and take and it can what you really want to go after as a teacher is something that at the beginning it seems impossible to accomplish but as you start to make progress you can start to see how you can actually get there mm. there's a lot of project management and logistics yes uh, there's a lot of persuasion there's actually a lot of strategy and curriculum design so there's a bunch of things that i'm super grateful for regarding my time as a teacher um and what i do now as an entrepreneur well you really just sold becoming a teacher <laughs> wow maybe you shouldn't go back and become a campaigner for the, for the teaching association well it was actually cam- <laughs> it was campaigning that was the bridge for me between education and entrepreneurship yeah i remember you saying so you actually are part of the obama campaign 2008 field organizer in missouri for the obama campaign wow and what was that like it was an incredible experience i loved it mm. it was the th- thing that made me realize that I should go build businesses. Yeah. Because when I started working with adults on the campaign where we were going after specific numbers, just a whole new side of my professional life uh, just exploded and I absolutely was on fire with it. And I wanted to continue doing that after the campaign, but I didn't have any interest in going into politics, mm. but I wanted to build things and I wanted to compete. And building businesses seemed like the best. What were some of the things that you saw or encountered that, you know, set off that fire within you? Part of it was just the realizing how much of a difference leadership can make in the context of a a group of people. Like there would be, there were really like there were ten Xers on the campaign Mm -hmm. where they would. The output was very obvious. Yeah similar to in business in terms of just like revenue and growth you could just see how many phone calls was someone getting uh, made how many doors are someone knocking on and you could just see the results very clearly Mm -hmm. and there was there was a group of us that were able to just literally do 10x what other people were able to do and you know i was in that group and wanted to continue doing something professional where i felt like i was um exercising the skills that were required to have that type of impact and running a campaign is a lot like running even like a part of a campaign is a lot like running a business too Mm. so this then leads you into your first venture which Mm -hmm. is how about we yeah so a huge part of that also was was about um doing it with my best friend from childhood who also uh, had become a teacher Uh, we actually both were in india together for a while his name is aaron shilkraut he and I really decided together to start a business and then began the process of learning literally from, from zero uh, about how to get a startup off the ground. Mm. And the idea that we arrived at was How About We, which was a dating site where people could say the phrase How About We to introduce a date idea. Ah. So it was like, how about we get drinks at this rooftop bar I know? Which is a sentence I said probably <laughs> 20,000 times in my life in around 2010, 2011. And you know, we really we were truly green, both when it came to business, technology, innovation, 
and we created something that it was exciting. We built a strong brand, yeah. but we did not create something that truly disrupted the dating category. Mm. And I got to watch in that time period of uh, how about we, okay, Cupid, yeah, move from being something that. It was fringe to something that everyone knew about, and their true innovation was around free. And then I saw Tinder happen really from the inside of the dating industry, and their innovation was now was free and mobile. Mm. It was really the first iOS friendly app to hit the dating market, and it just crushed it. Yeah, um, there are lots of other specifics there, but the big the big thing that Aaron and I didn't understand when we first started was the nature of differentiation that you really needed in order to create value, especially in the context of a saturated market, such as online dating. That's good. And so where did an idea come from? Like, so you both leave the campaign and you're like, we want to start a business. It's like, what do we, like, why dating? We were both single and 30 years old. (laughs) We didn't know, we didn't know anything about... We didn't really understand what was that, how to think from the standpoint of what's happening from a, in terms of technology and in terms of business. We were thinking in terms of like human problems, mm. which I think in many ways is good, but you have to have both lenses in order to really come up with something that's going to be as explosive as you really need it to be if you're taking the route of venture capital and going after a large exit. Yeah, because you guys raised about $22 million yeah. the time, which is insane. Um, so how did you start? So you, you've gone to the drawing board, you're like, I don't know anything about startups. I've been teaching ethics. He, what did he teach? <laughs> he, he, we were both, he taught, I think, his, I think it was called like humanities All right. or something like that. So you, so, you both, so you both don't come from a business background. Yeah. So you've gone on like startup.com and all the other blogs and other websites. So how did you start? We... We worked our asses off. We just were grinding. Yeah. And it was a combination of networking mm-hmm. and being good at always asking people who else should should we be talking to. Yeah. Always finding out if there's any way that we can add value and always being genuine. Yeah. And that took us a long way. And we always we had we had a motto, I think um, I think even even in the very beginning, it was something like always do the thing that we needed to do next. Um, now, yeah. So it was like I think within three weeks of deciding we were gonna do. How about we? We were showing mockups of the website that we were gonna design. We designed ourselves on Wix mm. to people in bars, saying, "Would you ever use something like this? Yeah. What what sites are you currently on? How, you know we." We, we knew that we needed to have an experimental and learning approach. I, mean, I don't even know how else we could have gone about doing it. Mm. Um, so it was just hard work, networking, and doing the thing that we really needed to do next. And if I could, if I could do it over, I would have actually I would, I would put more emphasis on study. Like it's some of the things that I've come to realize, like I could have come to understand through a bit more of an in-depth analysis or like really like reading up of like what are the true classics mm. around the, you know, canonical books or thinkers that really outline what is the process of creating a startup. Yeah. Four Steps in Epiphany was in a book I read like 
years after, and I was like, oh man, I wish I had read this. <laughs> what book was it? Four Steps to an Epiphany. I think it's called Four Steps. Yeah, no, I've had it. Yeah, I've had it. yeah that's that's that, that that book outlines what are the types of innovation that are required to really build massive value, and you know, one of them is a new, you know, something truly new. One of them is a new business model. So okay, Cupid going to free as an example. Yeah. A new platform. Mm-hmm. So Tinder going to mobile as an example. Um, really undercutting the competition from, from the standpoint of price, which is very hard to do in a saturated space. Yeah. And I think the other one is just like making a totally superior product. And we learned about this and we would tell ourselves, well, we have a superior product because it's a it's a better, more natural framing of the online dating experience. Mm-hmm. But it's really got to be different, is what we realized. Yeah. Uh, and how about we went far? Uh, it just didn't. It didn't go so far that it became a staple of the of the industry, and that people are, you know, there still are some people using how about we, but when people talk about the dating site options, yeah, it's not. It's not one of them. It's not one of them. So how were you guys like acquiring users? We did. We did a lot of um, press. Yeah. People liked talking about How About We, which was hugely to our advantage. They liked the idea. The brand resonated. And that we we learned early on from just user research. And then paid. We got really good at buying traffic. So it was about half of our, half of our growth was coming through paid. We did TV commercials. We did radio. We did search. We did social. Uh, and learned a lot in that process. So we were able to buy up to a certain extent with the positive ROI. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing about marketing channels is that you do saturate them. Yeah. That's good. And how big did it get in terms of users up until like acquisition, I guess? You know, I don't think we've ever shared that publicly. <laughs> but I don't really think it matters at all. I mean, we, were, we got to around 10 million. How did that work? We did a good job having a very clear differentiation of what our responsibilities were. But in terms of lessons learned, it was also one of the mistakes that we made. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is challenging when you're doing something with your best friend and you both have similar skill sets. Aaron and I both are natural leaders, natural persuaders, uh, and neither of us are technical. Mm -hmm. Neither of us are... I don't really know what a product person is. The thing is, neither of us are super interested in going after all the details. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really nice way of putting it. Aaron is more so than me. Yeah. But at the end of the day, both, but we're both big picture thinkers mm-hmm. and leaders. And so we, we, we had a way of dividing and conquering in terms of our roles and responsibilities. Yeah. But in, uh, towards the end, we realized that there were... Um, there were ways that there was shared responsibility over certain things that someone just needed to own mm. and that the CEO structure just makes sense. Yeah. How did you go about raising money even though none of you were technical and you both had similar skill sets? Because one thing I hear from investors all the time is that you need to have you know, a balanced team and like each person needs to bring you know, their own strengths and 
compliment the other person. So how did, was that well, difficult? We weren't able to, we did a small friends and family and some institutional investors that we met through our networking process. We basically began working on how about we in the summer of 2009 mm-hmm. and moved to New York to launch in the beginning of 2010 from Boston. Both of us were living at home living for free, figuring this thing out. And in that process, we met a bunch of investors who I think they just saw the, the amount of hustle we had and they, we, we maintained the relationship. So it, you know, went from these two guys really not knowing anything, showing some, some mock-ups of like a Wix site that wasn't even functional Mm. to 30 people in a focus group and a site that we had kind of hacked together with some freelance consultants that we had convinced to do some work with us for equity. Yeah. And that we just kept on making progress. So we were able to raise a little bit of money to get through our launch. And then we had a amazing launch. We, um, we first crashed our servers with our first round of press when we, first launched like a sign up flow before the site was even live nice. and then by the time that we launched the actual site we had built enough buzz and it was an exciting moment in New York for New York startups because Tumblr, Foursquare uh, were both really taking off mm. and it, there was a surge of entrepreneurial enthusiasm late 2009-2010 and in just interested in new startups and we really launched into that climate mm. and then we got just a ton of coverage. We were like the cover of the Sunday's uh, New York Times style section. Wow. We were on the homepage of Gawker for like a week. Wow. We were on NPR. We were everywhere. Crushing it. Crushing and it. Was it paid PR? Or no. Just, wow. It was all... And one of the things we learned about press is that you have to figure out how to tell a story for for the press. We learned how to do that. And how, how about it was a treasure trove of different types of stories. Mm. What were people going on dates? What were they doing on the dates? What were trends in relationship to those dates? And everyone likes to talk about dating because it's such a universal concern. Yeah. And everyone was wanting to talk about startups. So it was a nice, you know, it was yeah. definitely a ton of work and then a real convergence of a bunch of factors that helped us get off the ground. And then with that, we had enough momentum to raise an A round. Nice. And I guess, do you think you sold at the right time? That's a complicated question. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, oh, everyone's going crazy. There's a dog in the office. Nice. We, uh, you know, one of the problems with dating, one of the challenges is that there's only one acquirer. Mm. And so when we arrived at the conclusion that it was time to sell, it took a while to get to the point where I see was really ready to go because they know their position. Mm. Um, so they're, they're, they're very effective at sort of grinding down the acquirer or the, the, the one being acquired and we definitely experienced that. When you it turned out, I mean, I don't want to make it too... Was it a hostile takeover? <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't hostile. It was, it was like a totally fair and great outcome for everybody involved. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't easy. Mm. It wasn't, we, we worked a lot to create competition and signal competition, et cetera, et cetera. And in some sense we had a little bit, but at the end of the day, the only, the only company that was really going to make the type of move that would be required for us to really say like, okay, we're going to do it with that, I say. Okay. 
So it was a, a bit of a loaded question, but that was a good answer. So then, <laughs> so then, so you sell the company, and then what do you do next? You know, you're like, all right, I was a teacher six years ago. I just sold the company for like millions of dollars. Like, well, I went to I went to go. One of the um, key deal points was that either Aaron or I would would need to go and run. How about we mm. inside of IAC? Okay, and um, and I went. It was I, I was. I was actually excited to go and run the business inside of IAC because we were always in the con- we were always operating in the context of a venture backed business, mm. which has a certain type of demand around growth, and I was looking forward to running. How about we in the context of we just need to continue growing? Yeah, we need to continue improving. Um, we don't need to create a hockey stick that's going to 10x our revenue over the next 10 months to be relevant. Yeah. So I was I was excited to, to go and do that, and I went to ISC and then ran How About We There, uh, basically until I then got excited about a new a new idea, which was self-made. Ah, okay. So then... I took a little vacation, too. How long? Two weeks. Oh, okay. I'm probably going to say like six months. So then, you leave IAC, you're like, I'm done with this, and then self-made. Yes. What's self-made? So like I said, self-made is, what we're doing is we're helping people to build their brand on social. Mm. The the spark of the idea was actually watching my now fiance edit her images before sharing them onto social media. And what I realized in observing that behavior was one that required a lot of skill and time to get it right. Mm. And I knew from having run a dating business that people really struggle to present themselves online in a way that is both authentic and natural. Yeah. And uh, when you can help someone to achieve that, it's pretty empowering for them in their life. So I started think, trying to think about like, how could, you, how could you do this for someone? Or how could you at least do all the heavy lifting for someone? Yeah. I knew how valuable digital identity was becoming for people. Um, I actually had a, I had a, a, um, an instinct, but I would say over the past two years of working on self made my, my understanding now just how significant uh, one's online presence is for so many people in so many different industries yeah. has um, just grown you know, tremendously because I now see it as like an underlying dynamic of the new economy. Yeah. that people really are charged with building their own personal brand. And it's true whether or not they're in a, in a more obvious fit, like if they're a fitness professional, if they're a beauty professional or a creative, but it's also true for people who are on real estate or interior designers or anyone who has a visual component of what they're, what they're selling. Mm-hmm. And then also people just in, in cutting edge industries like media and technology, executives, Everyone recognizes if my social is on point, it's going to benefit my career and they don't really know how to get it there. And that's what we're solving at Selfmade is how do you help someone feel like their brand is truly a reflection of what they're all about. Yeah. And the way that we do it, uh, it's a membership service. People pay $50, $100 or $150 a month and they get access to the Selfmade app. And in that app, they have a, a... really like a brand strategy section that establishes a visual aesthetic that they're going for. One of the things I've learned over the past two years is the role of a consistent visual 
presentation in order to really establish a brand. If you yeah. look at anyone who's really successful at, the, at this, they, they have a tone mm. that they stick to. Yeah. So we help our members to define their tone and then build a really like a library within the app of visual assets that reflect that tone that is then useful when a member then uploads an image. Mm. That image is then routed to a professional photo editor who now built a team of distributed editors all, all over the world uh, who are doing self-made edits for our members. They, when they get an image, they uh, see it in the context of the member's visual aesthetic and the member can also give specific instructions. They do an edit and then return it through the app. Within the app now, a member can plan a post, get hashtag recommendations, get a recommendation about when they should post it, and then we'll get reminded to post it. In addition to, to that, there's access to social strategy support we've realized is really essential. So people can, they can actually contact a human being um, for a strategy session. Mm -hmm. They can connect with each other. So we're building a community of self-made members to inspire each other, give each other advice, and then solve specific problems like I'm working on building my email list or trying to figure out how to track revenue from my Shopify page. Whatever it is that our members will trying to solve to take their brand to the next level. We're working on building a, um, building features into our app and building connections to our community uh, and building support tools like our strategy sessions to be able to help them be successful. Yeah. This is completely different <laughs> to a dating website on app. Like For this sure. Is, this is like revolutionizing and democratizing how people build brands online. That's like, what we want to do. You know, people have always had this support. Yeah. But it's prohibitively expensive for almost yeah. everybody if you're not a celebrity, a major brand, or super wealthy. And so we're finding a way through, through a platform, through technology that's expediting the process of editing. So it's, it, the cost structure works out. And then through the, like, the power of connecting people to be able to do exactly what you're describing, which is you know, democratizing access to professional brand building. So does the fact that this is so different scare you or excite you? <laughs> you know, it's good to go back to some of the things. It's the, the short answer is not at all. If anything, I've you know I I basically feel giddy every single day that I come to work because I feel like we're on to something so exciting. Good. The the um, the experience of how about we was challenging because we were in a saturated space without enough innovation. Mm. And today, with self-made, I feel like we're no one else is doing this. The demand for what we're doing, we see every single day, is incredibly strong. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like we, we are at the forefront of a new thing. And I find that very exhilarating. Uh, and that it's new just feels natural. Like everything I've ever done in my life has been a totally new challenge. And I, I just like that. Yeah. So you guys have raised $11 million yes. in private beta which is insane yep. um, but one thing I love about how you approach this you kind of started it as another startup like you kind of started it as you did how about we with the mock-ups um, I was speaking to Alec not too long ago and he said that he came across a job ad on Craigslist <laughs> looking for a graphics designer like you went about this really scrappily yeah as well. so so the first the, the, the way that it all got going was actually me messaging people on Instagram yeah. saying, would you be interested in, you know, essentially doing an experiment with me around a business I'm working on, which would be every time you want to share an image on social media, send it to me first. Mm. And then I'm going to have a professional work on it and send it back to you. Yeah. 
And immediately I realized that people wanted this. Yeah. They, they would almost always say, sure, sign me up. The next thing I realized is that not only do you need to be able to have a good flow there, you really need to be able to figure out what someone wants. Mm. And so we've invested a lot in trying to understand how to define what our members are going after with their brand. That goes back to their personal brand strategy and the app. Um, but in the beginning, what I would do is send a lot of options. I would talk with different photo editors, show them the picture, try to figure out what they could do with it, and then send back options and figure out what is it someone wants to share. Yeah. And once I had that loop going, Alec actually, who's still with us, was then the first person that I, this was still before I raised any money, but hired uh, under the table to uh, full, do start doing full-time testing with me. Yeah. Um, and I've got a few interns, uh, and all of it was taking place over text. Yeah, um, I love it. So yeah, it was very, <laughs> it was very experimental. And then at some point, I realized this is this is a, this is an exciting idea. There's um, so much happening around digital identity and social media that I wanted to go out after. And then and then I met my co-founder Zach Lloyd, yeah. which I think is also relevant in terms of thinking about the juxtaposition of this experience with how about we. Zach is. I hit the I hit the co-founder jackpot with Zach. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. He um, Zach was a principal engineer at Google. He was the lead architect for Google Sheets, uh, and then ran all of Google Docs inside yeah. of Google. He actually built out really the largest engineering team that Google ever had in New York. Um, when he left Google, um, he he left because he also has an entrepreneurial itch, and uh, he left to start a photo sharing app. Mm. So he had a lot of you know, ex deep technical experience solving really hard problems, working with phenomenal engineers, being a technical leader, but then he also has startup experience. Yeah. Um, and he has startup experience that informs some of our understanding around self-maintenance. There's two different components to it. One is he started a photo sharing app. And the app was really about how do you let people share quickly with people who are truly close to them. Yeah. And one thing he realized is that people actually don't want to share that quickly. They want to take a bunch of pictures, choose the best one, and then do some type of post-production, whether it's a filter or a more robust photo editing app before they share it broadly. Yeah. Um, so he knew that this was a, 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 a reality and a pain point. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing, of course, is solving really gnarly technical challenges. You know, Immediately when he started talking with me about self-made the first question that we both were working out was how would you scale this and he actually has the experience of assembling the type of experts that we need both in computer vision and AI um, on the on the actual image processing side so our, our editors are doing the work but there's a, well, the way that we talk about it is we're building an image processing pipeline yeah. where there's a human assist on top of CV and AI technology to support us to deliver a quality edit that you can't do in a fully automated way at all, mm -hmm. um, but will take too much time for individuals to do on their own, especially at scale. And then the other problem we're working on solving is how do you help someone truly define their audience, which is a complicated machine learning AI problem. Yeah. It really involves how do you bring together Zach got excited about that. He saw the business opportunity, and you know, he and I have been working together for almost two years now. And it's just I, I learn a new thing every every week uh, 
That's amazing. And what were some of the things that you learned from How About We that you brought into Self Made Today? Well, I think we're seeing a lot of what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's no, there's not two CEOs here, so that's a good thing. Yeah. The, the, I learned at How About We the power of a brand. Mm. We got so far at How About We because of the power of the How About We brand. And I'm very excited to launch Self Made. We've done a lot of work on the brand. Um, and I know that it resonates. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to, take it to the next level and begin working on really seeding awareness of the brand in a way that is um, out in the open. Because so far, all of our growth has been um, while in private beta. Yeah. And so we really haven't done anything to, to try to tell the world about what we're doing. So that's one thing that I think is really important. Keeping an organization focused on what's most important for the business to succeed is something that I think Aaron and I learned a lot about during How About We that we're, that Zach and I now are constantly applying here. Mm-hmm. In terms of the what not to do. <laughs> so, the, you know, I think the what not to do, I've already spoken to this in different ways, but it's, you know, don't go after something unless you have a true differentiator. Mm. Um, or, it's a, or it's a wild west and there's no real winner. And it's, you have to be really honest with yourself and it's worthwhile to get, get the perspective of people who are in the industry that you're thinking about, whether or not they see a true differentiator. Is that customers or competitors? Competitors. You really want to talk to people who understand the category mm-hmm. from a business standpoint. Yeah. That's one what not to do. I think another thing is, you know, with, with how about we, we got ahead of ourselves and we sort of had to. One of the, the benefits of being a second time founder is that you already have a network um, of VCs, you have a network of you know, people that you can go to for consulting, mm. if you need to get a particular thing done but you need to, and you can't spend too much money on it, but you need it done really well. And so we've been able to you know, raise money at the right moments um, to prove out the next phase of value. Uh, whereas with, with how about we in many ways we were we overcapitalized the business. Mm. And today I feel very good about how much money we've raised compared to how much progress we've made. And you know, we've got plenty of room to go to be building lots of value right now. Yeah, that's good. And what's your vision for self-made? The, the vision for self-made is to make it so that people can express themselves in a way that's empowering for them uh, in regards to their digital identity. And today we're really focused on we call internally brand builders for people who have a true financial motivation around their social presence. And it's more and more people today, but there's also, you know, my mom goes on a vacation to China and she comes back and she's got a full album of images that she wants to share Mm. or, um, uh, you know, her, grandkids she doesn't have in there but one day when she got grandkids they go to school for their first day and there's images that people care about. there's all these images people care about that they do go to um, great lengths to craft mm-hmm. um, we want to make that totally democratized and easy so that the act of expressing oneself in digital form is easy and really empowering and creative like one of the things about self-made that you kind of have to see it to get it is that we 
the things that we're doing from people are wise. Yeah. And we provide people with a range of options of what they can get done with their image, but some of them are really funky. That it's like it's like digital fashion. Yeah. And that you really get to decide what do you want to put on today, uh, as opposed to what's the homogenizing filter that everyone else is doing or the lens that no one else can bear to look at anymore yeah. uh, posted onto social, but it's really your own personal style. And what's like the one piece of advice you would give to any startup founder right now? Well, some of it I think I'm speaking to around you need to have a differentiator. Yeah. I think part of it is what I want to say is that it's, it really is harder than it looks. And a lot of people want to do it. And if you don't find yourself making a lot of progress, you should probably find a way to start learning from other people. Because it's very unusual that, I, that I've seen, you know, over the past like, you know, eight years now that I've seen people who are trying to be a founder, that I've seen them ever succeed unless they're always making a lot of progress. So I think, you know, it's, it's very challenging. If you're not making a lot of progress, it's very understandable. It points to you should be learning from somebody else for a while. Mm. When you say making a lot of progress, what, do you, what does that mean? Like, are you meeting more people? Are you getting more users? Like, can you say more about that? It's a good question. I think it depends a lot on the business. Right. But if you're not solving a new set of problems mm. every four weeks and you're at the seed stage, or every, probably four weeks also at the A. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, if every, if for the past two years now, if I were to look back four weeks ago, the problem I'm solving is completely different than the problem I'm now solving. Right. Um, whether it's I've got a, you know, there's new top uh, priority hires that we need to make, we need to prepare for a launch, we need to figure out how do we scale this distributed labor a team of editors yeah. we need to figure out the brand messaging we need to yeah, it's yeah. constantly Constant changing change. yeah. so if you're not experiencing constant change you're, you're probably not progressing fast enough yeah that's good that's good advice man so where can people find you if you want to be found <laughs> they can find me on Instagram yeah um, uh, Shack on Instagram they can find me on email on brian at selfmade.co awesome and when do we launch it's coming soon Coming soon. Yeah. All right, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. That's fun. Just as I started to pack up, Brian and I started talking, and then all of a sudden something had come to him that he wished he had said during the interview. So I said, dude, I've still got the microphone here. And this is what he said. Yeah. I think the other thing that I would say is that in the startup world and when you talk with a lot of founders, everyone, you really have to project a lot of confidence. Mm. You're, you're selling all the time. Um, you're communicating a vision all the time that doesn't yet exist and to do that with any type of credibility you have to believe in it. but. Everyone has their doubts and everyone has the places that they're not nearly as confident as it may seem. So you can't, you can't assess yourself in relationship to other people and what you perceive is going on for them. Mm. You really have to have, become your own um, you know, 
meter of success and what you, you have to have your own expectations for yourself. And then at the same time I'd say is that you, you, you have to really work on mastering your own inner demons to the point where you're, you're always growing personally. Mm. At least for me, I find so much energy in that element of the, of the journey. And it's really an incredible way to keep growing because yeah. you will end up with an endless stream of new challenges. And if you can get into that cycle where you're constantly personally growing um, and that it's working you know, synergistically with the growth of the business, then it's a, such an exciting place to be yeah. and very meaningful. And I think it, you know, it can offer a lot to, you know, your own, for your own personal life, but also for the world around you. That's good. Another massive thank you to Brian and the self-made team for having me today. What a killer episode, guys. Didn't I tell you it was going to be a killer? The two biggest takeaways for me from Brian were the following. If you're creating a product, it has to be a real differentiator, which is absolutely true and sounds so obvious. But if you build a product that can be mistaken for something else, chances are you haven't done a good job. The example he used about Tinder and how they changed the game being mobile first and swipe left and swipe right was absolutely perfect. So guys, if you're building a product, make sure your product is extremely different. And the second thing, if you're not making a lot of progress, then you're not moving fast enough. You need to be faced with new problems every four weeks, as Brian said. If you're not, then something isn't right. This makes so much sense, because if you think about it, the first month should not be the same as the second month when you're starting out. And if that means is then chances are you haven't done much <laughs> and even at the series a level it's important that new challenges arise that push you and your team to be creative and solve complex problems that allow you to grow and be successful as always guys thank you so much for listening and if you haven't already please subscribe to startup hand-me-downs on itunes and anywhere else you listen to your favorite podcasts you can also follow us on instagram at startup hand-me-downs and at twitter at startup hmd until next time, guys, keep grinding.